this Christmas Eve as we sing in wonder and we sing in worship to God the Father for sending his Son, to God the Son for taking on flesh and becoming a man, and to God the Spirit by which God the Son was conceived. We take time this evening, we take time on Christmas Eve to marvel at the fact that God, the God who gives life to all living things, the God who is the blessed and only sovereign, the God who is the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, the God who dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see, that God came near to us. That God came near to us. He came near to fallen, foolish, finite, and frail humanity. And he did so through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. The first three verses of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, is our Christmas passage this year. And it makes this truth abundantly clear. Hebrews 1 verses 1 through 3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. We see in these verses that the son who was born of the Virgin Mary was God. The Nicene Creed recognizes this. It states Jesus is the only son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. And our passage declares that unequivocally. The Son is the one whom through God created the world. The Son is the exact imprint of God's nature. The Son upholds the universe by the word of his power. Only God creates the world. Only God can have the exact nature of God. Only God upholds the universe. So, as we reflect on the Christmas story, as we reflect on the birth of Jesus this Christmas Eve, we reflect on God coming near. The Christmas story declares that God, by his Son, came near to humanity. And our passage tells us that he did it for at least three purposes. The purposes of revelation, coronation, and purification. Let's start with Revelation. God came near that he might reveal himself to us. God, we are told in this passage, has spoken to us by his Son in these last days. God moved towards us. He entered into our lives by becoming a man. And in that action, he has revealed himself to us. And we know that God reveals himself in various ways. 
God reveals himself to mankind through the creation. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. God also reveals himself through providence. God did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. But God primarily and most powerfully reveals himself through his word. And we learn in John's gospel that it was the word of God that came near. The apostle John confirms this connection between the incarnation and God's revelation between the word of God and the son of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God came near that he might reveal himself finally and fully through the Son. And we have several sayings in English that use the phrase, the last word, or, or maybe the final word is how you've heard it. You might say something like, Lionel Messi's two goals in the World Cup championship game is the final word on who is the greatest footballer of all time. I got an amen in the first service. So we're either Ronaldo fans or you think it's sacrilege to talk about soccer. I might agree with you there. You get the idea, the final word. The final word isn't a reference to who speaks last chronologically. No, it's the conclusive word. It's the determinative declaration of truth. That's what the final word is. Well, the word who became flesh is God's final word about himself. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. And as we consider the coming of Jesus, as we consider God coming near... We understand that as he did so, he revealed himself to us in a matter so profound and so powerful that our hearts must be moved to worship. The coming near of God was for the purpose of revelation, but his coming near was also for the purpose of coronation. God came near to fulfill his promise of a divine king, who would come and save us. Now, the English language wouldn't be what it is without the Bible. The Bible has permanently and pervasively entrenched itself into the English language so that it's readily accepted that no book, no poem, no song, no speech has had more influence on our language than Scripture. When we declare that we are at wit's end, we are speaking Bible. When we proclaim that someone is the apple of our eye, we are speaking Bible. When we call something a labor of love, we are speaking Bible. And similarly, when we use the phrase, for such a time as this, we are speaking Bible. A person might note that another individual is the perfect person to accomplish a task by saying, you were chosen for such a time as this. The right person at the right time in the right place is declared to be raised up for such a time as this. 
Now, many of you will know that these words were spoken in reference to Queen Esther when her uncle suggested to her that she was divinely appointed to save the Jews in their time of need. God would accomplish his purposes through her because she was the right person in the right position at the right time and in the right place. And I don't think it's a stretch this evening to suggest that Esther was a type of Christ. You see, the word Christ means anointed one, and it is a reference to the promised Messiah, the chosen King of God who would save God's people. For years, for decades, for centuries, God had promised that the Messiah would come and save God's people. God prophesied this through Jacob when he said, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. God promised his people a savior king through David when David sang, you are my son, today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. See, for years and years and decades and eras, God's people had longed for and awaited their Messiah. And though they did not see this clearly themselves, God's people would later come to understand that the Messiah had to be God. You see, Scripture records what this Messiah King would do, and only God can do those things. We read some of it in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. God's people were waiting for the coming of a divine Savior King, a Messiah. And so we might say that Jesus was born for such a time as this. Just as Esther was the right person at the right time in the right place to save the Jews from their destruction during the time of Xerxes and the Persian Empire, Jesus was born, the right person at the right time in the right place to save God's people. He was the promised Savior. Jesus was God's divine king. And our passage from Hebrews makes this clear because it says that God's son was appointed the heir of all things and that he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He was enthroned. These descriptions are descriptions of a divine royal savior. And so we see that God came near through Jesus that he might fulfill his promise to his people, the promise that he would send a divine savior king who would bring salvation. And so the wonder and the worship of Christmas time, the wonder and worship of Christmas Eve is the wonder and worship of God coming near to fulfill that promise, the promise of a messianic king. 
And this leads us into our final point this evening. God came near us to save us. Purification. That's the word in the first three verses of Hebrews. God came near to save us from sin. That word purification transports us from the manger in Bethlehem to the cross on Calvary. This word that's been translated in Hebrews 1.3, purification, is quite rare in the New Testament. Its use in 2 Peter makes it clear that sin-forgiving sacrifice is what's in view. In 2 Peter, the word is translated cleansed. In this passage in 2 Peter, Peter is admonishing his readers to act in ways that align with their salvation. Because when they don't do that, it suggests that they are so nearsighted that they are blind and that they have forgotten that they were cleansed from their former sins. The word purification tells us the issue in view is salvation through the forgiveness of sins. And so we know that God came near through Jesus to save us from our sin. He is the Savior, and he saves from sin. Matthew's gospel makes it clear. It makes it clear why God came near, why God the Son took on flesh, and why he was born as a man. We read in chapter 1, verse 18 through 21. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. God came near to save us. Jesus, God the Son, was born to save us from our sin. For all those who put their faith in the baby born in a manger who would later die on the cross and then rise from the grave, for those who trust in him, they find forgiveness and salvation. And so Christmas, Christmas Eve, is a time for putting your faith in God, putting your faith in the God who came near through Jesus Christ. Can I encourage you this evening to put your faith in him? And as we put our faith in him, we ought also to praise and worship him. As we consider that it was God who came near, as we consider that God came near to reveal himself to us, as we consider that God came near to fulfill his promise of a Savior, as we consider God came near to actually save us from sin and to save us unto himself, let us respond with great wonder and with great worship of God. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your Son, and we would ask that you, by your Spirit, would help us to both wonder and worship at that glorious news, those good tidings of great joy. 
which speak of you coming near. We thank you this evening that in the coming of Christ, there was a revelation of who you are. We thank you that in his crowning, it became clear that your promise of a Savior had been fulfilled. And that in him, the purification, the forgiveness of sins is our salvation. I pray that you would help us to glory in that good news this Christmas time. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.